You're listening to WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. you fit in these changing technological times? Is the system excluding you or including you? I'm James Felton Keith inviting you to tune in to Inclusionism, a new code of equity every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. I'll interview leading activists, academics, diplomats, and business people about what it truly means to be included in the 21st century. That's Inclusionism every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. on WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. Welcome to Inclusionism. I'm your host, James Felton Keith. It is 5.34 in the p.m. And I'm here another Sunday. Welcome to my church where we normally talk about exclusion and remedies to to the ills of exclusion. Uh, Inclusionism is where we like to say individuals are at their best when they identify with the community. And communities are only at their best when they identify all of their individuals. Today, my guest is Wendy O'Shields. She is a co-founder of the Safety Net Activists, who are supported by the Urban Justice Center. Um, I recently met Wendy at a rally down at City Hall here in New York to talk about well, a variety of things uh, with regards to the homeless population here in the city, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a growing uh, population and increasingly underserved population by multiple city departments. We're going to get into some of that, um, (laughs) some of the, you know, methodological approach to how folks are underserved and some of the human stories uh, behind that. But first, um, before we tumble down that rabbit hole, Wendy, thank you for for joining me. Um, Very nice to be here. Yeah. Where are you coming from uh, today? 
Upper you come from the Upper West. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So it wasn't that long of a trek. No. I'm usually like thanking people for coming from Queens and Brooklyn and, you know, far, far away land. And <laughs> That's a commute. <laughs> it really is. I was just talking to someone earlier. I was like, you know, Brooklyn is like going to Chicago. It takes me an hour to get to Chicago, minus the uh, time to check into a flight. And so, you know, people often ask, why aren't in Brooklyn so much? I'm like, you know, Brooklyn is far Brooklyn away. Brooklyn is happening. No, it is happening. It is a place. It's, it's having a moment. I feel like uh, I was just in D.C. and I met a bunch of tourists from South America, from different countries, and they were all talking about Brooklyn. And I was just thinking, you know, New York, no knock on Brooklyn, but New York to me is is Manhattan. And, you know, I just normally I think about Manhattan first and neighborhoods in Manhattan first. Um but anyway, so well, thank you for uh, coming up to Harlem uh, for the day, or for the hour, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, so let's jump right in. I think uh, before the show came on, we were talking briefly about uh, um, the proposed uh, City of New York's Income Savings Plan Program, mm-hmm. or in short, uh, you may hear us reference the ISP, mm-hmm. uh, which will be uh, distributed and administered by the Department of Homeless Services, uh, um, but before we get into that, you know, do you you want to tell us about this program or? Yes, I would like to tell okay. you about this program. All right, let's go there first. Well, actually, currently DHS has their unofficial official mm. income savings um, program where they require 60% of a resident's gross income, whether it be disability income, retirement income, mm-hmm. Income, working sure. income. income. And typically they start this program by demanding that the person saves 60% of their gross. They don't um, consider your cell phone bill, your transportation, your food, etc. And usually the resident is not able to keep up with that 60% savings requirement because their jobs are usually low-income jobs. So this is, uh, yeah, I just think, let's back up for a moment. The The choice of language here is the income savings pro, uh, yeah, savings program, I have that right, They've right? just codified what they've unofficially done for years. What does that mean, though? This this is a, the ISP, the income savings program, is to do what, to incentivize people to save money? Or they don't think that poor people know how to save money. Save, right. And so as they don't think that poor people know how to save money, they build this program for them to save money in order for, for the city to give them any added services. No. No, okay. Just to punish them while they're in shelter. Oh, so, so for folks in the shelter system, mm-hmm. they require this income savings program. For single adults. For single adults. Yes. What if you're married? I don't know. I can't speak on the married and the families with children, but they're rolling out this official program first with the single adults. Sure. And then they're, depending on how that goes, they're going to roll it out to everybody officially. The official program that we're talking about right now is 30% of your gross income Mm -hmm. of a low wage, which still, after you put in for your transportation, your food, your toiletries... Um, medications, et cetera, sure. you, you're you not able to save 30% of your gross. Right. So we're talking about the uh, either working poor or non-working poor in, in yes. this case. I think it is important to mention non-working people. I think in too far too often in this country in general, when people talk about 
the poor, they talk about working poor, and I think it's primarily because we only talk about people's value from a standpoint of if and how they're working, mm-hmm. which is problematic. We'll, we can tumble down that rabbit yes. hole later, mm-hmm. but, but it, is, it is definitely problematic. But uh, I just wanted to sort of contextualize the system. So this is the Department of Homeless Services yes. um, who is, in their view, giving, city, giving citizens a service of shelter, among other things, and they're requiring that they're able to report uh, a certain amount of savings. Uh, let's disregard the percentage for um, for this moment. Mm-hmm. They're requiring that they save something in order to receive the services. At in all. order to stay in good stead and standing and yeah. not be sanctioned to the street and become street homeless. Well, right. No, yeah. So that's the same thing, right? So, yeah. if, so if they're not uh, complying, yes, then then they got to go. Then you have to go. Okay. So, okay. That's what I wanted to know. So that's what we wanted to con- uh, contextualize first. Um, so there are sort of conditions to receive any assistance at all. They uh, call it compliance and non-compliance. Oh, they do call it compliance and non-compliance. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is very technical. It sounds like, well, yeah, anyway, like corporate world stuff. Mm-hmm. I used to work in cybersecurity compliance, and so we'd often... Uh, go back and forth with folks about, you know, criteria they must meet in order to do business at all. And that seems exactly what this is like. And that's cybersecurity, not human beings. Exactly right. I was going to say, so they're asking individuals who, number one, don't have time or the resources to... Or make much money. Or make much money. So how much money are we talking about here? So, uh, like, it could be. uh, Let's just say, let's say that... I, d- I define low income as uh, under $15 an hour. Okay. And so if you take that number, it's, it's nearly impossible to save 30% of your gross and still provide for yourself. Right. Um, hmm. Okay. So people are determining, well, should I eat? And if I eat, I'm not going to be able to save my 30%. And then if I'm not able to save my 30%, eventually maybe three strikes um, you're going to be kicked out to the street right so yeah because i don't even think i mean i'm you know i was right there with everyone in this sort of you know fight for 15 movement but i don't you know i'm not of the group that thinks that that is uh sort of a safety net like when i think about 15 dollars an hour i still think that that's pretty low like it is you're, very low. You're barely skating by mm-hmm. and do you are you familiar with all right, so let's switch to sort of how they're distributing these services in general. Um, is the city underserving its homeless population? I mean, with, with the shelter system, building by building, place by place? I would say they could do a much better job yeah. at what they are doing. I wouldn't say that it's a lack of money. It's a lack of process and procedure and transparency okay. with what they do in the shelters. Uh, typically they will do whatever they would like to do sure. behind closed doors, and that is that is a problem. They don't have an area for visitors. Um, you can't see your reverend. You can't see your parole officer. You can't see your anybody important to you, family and friends, once you're inside the shelter. What does that mean? Wait, what do you mean? Like people there's, can't there's come no and There's no visiting visit? area. Even in jail, they have visiting areas. So the shelters look like what? They're just, they're rooms, not apartments? They're, um, for the single adults, they're typically dormitory style. It could be 
three or up to maybe 12 people per sure. dorm. And some of the sing, um, some of the shelters have single rooms. Sure. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with any here in, in Harlem? Like, I'm just trying to think to... So a lot of our listeners are, you know, mostly above 100th Street. Uh, they're, they're passing through. They're in their cars. It's about 40,000 people up here. Are there... There's one on 100 and... 37th or 35th, I can't remember. And what? It's called The Fane. The Fane. Oh, yeah, right. I know it. It's a historic building. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, okay, so so once folks are in there, when you say there's no visiting area, if they wanted to have a visitor... You will visit outside. So if I wanted to come in and visit someone in there, I couldn't just... You will visit them on the sidewalk. Really? Yes. That's a rule? Yes. Why? It's like, I don't know, it's worse than jail. Really? Yes. It's dehumanizing, it sounds yes, like. Yes, yes. But wh- I feel like I need to do a whole lot more investigation into this. Um, uh, this is a, a topic I'm sort of newly learning. I mean, not newly learning about. I think it, it, too often, you know, we, we hear about these things. There's there's news articles that come out, but we don't really dig into why they are what they are. D- to go back, so, there, so someone at uh, Department of Homeless Services wrote the ISP as a new sort of regulation that folks need to comply with. Well, I... I think it was I mean, Department of Social Services. Department of Social Services. Yeah, they're they're the head. Then there's HRA and DHS that they run. Who do, so? Who is they? They run Department of Social Services. Run they, HRA. They run HRA and mm-hmm. DHS. Okay, so Department of Social Services are running HRA and DHS. I'm sorry, folks. I see the uh, the the call line is is lighting up. But uh, just so that we can sort of properly tumble down this rabbit hole and, and understand uh, the issue, I'm going to take all questions later, or you can email us, or we can uh, we can post questions on the on the website for the podcast. Um, but we want to, you know, we only have an hour, and so we want to dig in as much as possible with with Wendy. Um, so let's transition a bit to how um, the safety net activists are engaging. HRA and DHS. I mean, is well, before we even get into that, is that a direct effort? What you we all's meet objective? with them. We have uh, work group meetings with those two departments. With those two departments directly. Okay. Uh, we have those meetings um, once every two months. Okay. And we've worked on a lot of issues over the past five years, actually. And since you're you're co-founding. Uh, over the past five years, can you attest to there's any sort of measurable there've been, progress? There have been changes with HRA. Okay. I can say that. And positive changes. Positive changes, okay. Positive changes. And we're still working with them to continue. But DHS is very much a closed system, mm-hmm. and no one has really taking them to task Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. the last 35 years. Uh, They don't like to answer questions. They don't like to talk to anyone but themselves. Is that a procedural issue? Those are like people in in your experience at the department? um, It's a culture. It's a culture. Mm -hmm. Right. I like, yeah, okay. So it's a corporate culture that they have. Yes. Um, But what you're saying... before you all came around, how many folks founded the um, the safety net activists? Was it I'd say about fifteen? About fifteen of you mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. and um, 
going through that process, did you all engage the Urban Justice Center or? We started at the Urban Justice Center. Okay. These Mm -hmm. were folks who worked there, some of them? Yes. Helen Strom is the other co-founder. Yeah. And she's a staff member at Urban Justice. And so was this an issue that Urban Justice Center was working on? I'm I'm trying to They have 13 projects and one of the projects is a safety net. Yeah. And they deal with folks that have problems with the shelter, problems with their SNAP benefits. Sure. They deal with folks struggling in New York mm-hmm. for housing and food and everything. And so one thing led to another, and Helen Strom wrote a, an article, mm. and that's where it kind of jumped off. I came in maybe about four months later, and... We've been together ever since Yeah, working on these problems. But DHS is an entity that does not want to be transparent to the public. Sure. Or to anyone that they haven't worked with for maybe a decade or so. When you say anyone, so these are like uh, like contractors, vendors, or even... These are... This is the government... Would you consider that? Yeah. This is the government agency, DHS. Yeah. And then they have their nonprofit shelter vendors, mm-hmm. and then they have a few of their own publicly publicly run shelters. Right, and and so right, so they're they're happy to deal with those folks. But what mm-hmm. about um, you know watchdog groups? Is what which is really what I would they consider don't like you to are. deal with watchdog groups. No. Well, who was doing this work, if anyone, before you all were were doing this work? I mean, not to this degree. And I have to make a distinction. Sure, I came to the. I came to Urban Justice already an activist, an okay. advocate for about three three years, and then I just continued my work. Doing what other work before you got to Urban Justice? It was Center? I was doing DHS yeah. prior to coming to protesting Ur- DHS or no inter- writing with a them? lot of writing writing. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. and so right, so this just seemed like prime time. I'm assuming it kind of matched. Right, right, mm-hmm. but so it's really. Well, interesting to think about and hard to believe that there's, n- it just sounds it's crazy. So no one was doing this before. No one was engaging them. Not saying, to this degree of yeah. consistency and longevity. Okay. All right. And so I guess some of the objectives are what, but before we go into some of the, the noticeable progress that DHS has made, um, what are some of the main complaints are what how they use their vendors how they administer the shelters that they uh, are in control of how they spend money on them how they spend how they money. build regulations all right okay primarily how they spend money the if the shelter system were run better than mm-hmm. it is currently run and not punishing and not inhumane and hygienic mm-hmm it's, it would be a wonderful uh, thing that New York has to offer to its citizens when sure. things go wrong. But currently, it's it's uh, worse than a jail. Yeah. I mean, prisoners have visitation time. Mm-hmm. They have certain regulations, I understand. Yeah. And to enter a building, to, for a ad- free adult to have a curfew. Right. And oh, there's it, a curfew? Yeah, there's a curfew. All right, we're like, you're, yeah. you're a we're just unraveling here. Yeah. Uh, a free adult should not have a curfew. Yep. And so you have to be there by 10 p.m., and if you're not there by 10 p.m., you lose your bed, and you could end up God knows where mm-hmm. in a different 
place and maybe even a worse place. And it's just, it's unconscionable to have curfews on free adults and to make them acquiesce or you're either in a different place or you're on the street possibly. Sure. And so who... Enforcing these rules are mostly contractors, or is it DHS This is DHS. This is what they say, and this is what they say to their nonprofit vendors. Right. And this is what they implement seven days or seven nights a week at 10 p.m. So I'm just looking at um, some of the – there are 12 rights while you're in the shelter. Yes. uh, One of which really sticks out per the ISP, which, again, folks, stands for the – uh, income savings plan or program or plan program. So I guess they just go with one P. ISPP is what we'll call it. <laughs> but um, but while in the shelter, you have you know certain rights like the right to exercise your civil rights and religious freedoms. Um, that doesn't happen right, all the time. Right. No, I hear you. I think you you mentioned uh, even some of that earlier. Uh, the right to receive um, courteous, fair, respectable treatment. Um, that doesn't happen much. <laughs> right to end uh, your shelter stay at any time, which is probably a, uh, a real constraint of, of most folks uh, because of the systematic underemployment in the city. I think even when people find employment, which is usually a criterion to receive any city services, it's underemployment, at which point you need these services uh, in particular. But uh, number seven on this list, which is interesting, is the right to manage your own finances, which it seems as though the ISP would supersede. So I, I like to I, talk about suing people on this show, so I'm always thinking, is this a, is this an open a, it's door? It's a conflict, sure, definitely. And for, it's very paternalistic to tell anyone sure. what to do with their money, but to tell folks that aren't earning that much money mm-hmm. that you need to miss a meal and maybe walk out in front of an MTA bus. Yeah. Because you're delusional, you haven't eaten, mm-hmm. or you will lose your lodging. The phones are really lighting up about this particular topic, but uh, um, anyway. Uh, so, all right. So, so per those issues, let's dig into um, who administers. So, obviously, there's a large vendor program. The majority of the shelters, if, am I correct in saying majority are run by vendors? Majority, I'd say about. Ninety-eight percent are run by nonprofit. Wow, I didn't. I didn't expect you to say that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have uh, you know, I have some friends, peer groups. I think about groups like Harlem United. Are you familiar with that? Do they fall under that? I need to see who who's what in that group do? and who's not. They provide shelter among other things like healthcare services. They're sort of like a mini plan. That might be supportive par- housing. Oh, supportive housing. <laughs> might be, which is another. Which is, okay, another, another topic, categorization. But connected. Right. Yes. Connected. Mm-hmm. Right, because I just think this bleeds over into so many other sorts of issues, not just issues with um, Department of Homeless Services, but, uh, you know, HPD and, yes. um, and, you know, just how we distribute uh, government owned or government responsible resources in general. And I guess, in, in my view, a lot of it comes back to income in general. Uh, income not being attached to people's wage specifically, but um, and and sort of the the indignant uh, compliance to to use your word from earlier, threat. yeah, threat. 
ever-present The ever-present threat, threat mm-hmm. yeah, of, of failing to comply. Which is traumatizing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but, and the staff are not so nice either. Yeah, uh, and I've, I've experienced some of that. Um, I think a lot of the structuring of these systems creates for a, uh, a less than pleasant environment in general because I think a lot of the staff come to work expecting um, a difficult time or to be disrespected, but then the people who go are being underserved and they're n- noticeably and rightfully frustrated, and so it's just like, there's conflicts waiting to happen. I've also seen them in the healthcare space, which I've been monitoring heavily here in the state, uh, or, or also you know in the city and how uh, services are administered. And it's sort of because of the sort of pervasive desperation. Even these people who are working some of these jobs are right on the brink themselves. Absolutely, one paycheck I, away. Well, yeah, and then I just think that there becomes this this hierarchy of disdain. It's like. Uh, you know, one poor person hating another poor person, even though exactly. I only have two cents more than you. And it really um, validates the sort of the old crabs in the barrel uh, Absolutely. adage. When we should all be here fighting something much bigger, which is the fact none of us can afford to sort of Rent. eat and live in a dignified way. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, uh, let's talk about some of the size and shape and structure of some of these shelters. So we're in a room, um, uh, you know, this studio right now is what, about uh, 15 feet by 12 feet. How how big are these, uh, are the dormitory-style rooms at the shelters? It depends on the shelter. They have yeah. uh, shelters that are old schools. Sure. They have... Oh, um, that are literally old schools. Old schools, yeah, yeah. that were closed down because... They didn't need them anymore. That's ridiculous, too. But yeah, schools. Right. <laughs> and then you have um, hospitals that were turned into shelters. Right. You have um, new construction. And when I say new, I'd say uh, under 15 years old. Sure. And that's new, yeah. Yeah, that's... I would say that's new. Not yeah. new, new, but yeah. that's new. Yeah. And then you have uh, renovated older buildings, and you have the landmarks like the Fane. I, that might be one of very few that's a landmark. Right. I'm a little bit flabbergasted by the fact that you said 98% of these are managed by other groups. And it's a money. I call it the homeless sector. The homeless sector. Right. Yeah. Like the, these orgs are there just... Like Wall Street right. you know, sectors, the homeless sector, because the onus is on charging for the homeless resident, and the resident is the currency. Sure. And the onus is not on housing. Sure. And they will keep a resident in one shelter for about 24 months, which is the McKinney-Vento federal HUD time clock. Okay. And then so the feds are paying for that 24 months. So many people are paying. I mean, so many agencies are, are paying, paying for okay. this. It's a, it's a, a homeless resident is a money multiplier. Sure. So it's not just one agency paying for one resident. Right. There are multiple agencies paying for one resident. Hmm. And because there's no transparency, you can't really know how many different agencies are paying for that one homeless resident. Right. I've, I've, I've tracked about five, but I'm sure there are more. This is crazy. Um, okay. 
Right, and they're paying into the city's managing they're it. They're billing These for you. These are all city departments. They're, right. They're billing for the human being. Billing for you. Mm-hmm. And that's language that they've u- that they use. That's I've, language I've heard I, that before. I, oh, well, I use this language. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but I've heard that language in, um, yeah, in departments. And not just in uh, housing-related services, but also in healthcare-related uh, services. Um, that said, we need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I want to talk, I want to transition a bit into some of the noticeable uh, solutions per you or some of the things that um, that your org is recommending. So when you all are interacting them with uh, these departments, you know, how you're uh, I need to make the distinction. I work independently and I work with the safety net activists. Right. No, no, no. We understand. We understand. So okay. w- when we come right back, we'll uh, we'll dig more into into those details about uh, what the solutions look like. You're listening to WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Do you wonder where you fit in these changing technological times? Is the system excluding you or including you? I'm James Felton Keith, inviting you to tune in to Inclusionism.
tuned into what the future holds I can never be a slave, niggas, they gon' have to pay me Navy, downloaded by the titles like Jay-Z That's a roll offshore like an AP, Davey Jones locker on top of those hoppers off the side of the ship Suicide didn't die from the dip Submarine man, keep your eyes on the blips Sonar, echolocation, know where we are facing Get back to our nation, hola So we walking back to Africa And I found a detour to the seashore Yes, jumped off the deck To leave footsteps on the depths of the seafloor yeah. Y'all can live down here forever Drowning and severed From all your lungs and the lungs of your sons To your daughters, the water's a treasure Some in the forest, talking the trees Like how could you be in the chorus With something so horrid You became boards for the floors and the doors of the warships Anthropomorphic, the forest returned with a match Made from itself and said burn us with that Then left again and came back with that axe We can serve you as furniture, furnace us blacky My bones is for the beaches, right where the beaches Down to the depths with us Take a hold of the bow with the Jesus And the Bringentine Sanderson And the Amistad And the Henry of London Elizabeth Fanny Butler If you're not familiar with that track It's Lupe Fiasco It's called Wave Files On his last album Droga's Wave It's uh, one of my favorite songs And it's in reference to Slave ships um, Which I'm sort of getting the context That uh, these Department of Homeless Services Places are um, I've been reading more from from Wendy. She's she's coming here with a lot of literature today and uh, details that we should be considering um, as neighbors, as a public, uh, as cities, uh, as elected officials, as humans in general, whether we're here in New York City and other places. So per this income savings plan or income savings program, uh, one of the uh, functional uh portions of this program is as the Department of Homeless Services is trying to incentivize the people in these buildings to save funds, 60% of their gross income. 30%. The the unofficial prior to this program was 60%. Okay, so you all reduced it to 30%. No. They... Who re- they codified something that has been going on for many decades. Well, is it sixty or thirty? And the when did the it unofficial one is sixty. So they which, tell you sixty, even though they really just need thirty. No, what the unofficial 
number or percentage is 60% of your gross. This is what they've done in certain shelters throughout the system. Now they're doing the official program, the ISP, for 30%. Okay. So... So, they so do what they thir- want, James. Okay, right, yeah. right. So, so that's what I'm trying to right, paint the picture <laughs> they, they for. They do here. what they want. So it is 30. They've been collecting 60, but mm-hmm. uh, folks, I think the the even more sort of scary part of this, as sort of against everything that is American, everything that's you know specific to freedom, the DHS caseworker um, at many shelters may collect funds from residents working, you know, part time, full time. It doesn't matter. Uh, it could be Social Security. No, it could be disability. Now income. it's just going to be working, folks. What do you mean that they collect? Well, well, let me contextualize this first. So they'll take money, lock it away in a safe, and you know, air quotes, save it for yes. the individual to then provide it back. So they're sort of helping them save. At least that's what they would like to think. But the, I think the number dis- one, that's ridiculous. The, the, the distinction is, the sixty percent they would take cash, yeah, redeem a receipt, yeah. And, or a person, the resident would give them a postal money order or some kind of money order, sure. and they would collect all those and put it in the safe. And then when you come back to get your cash money, you have to have all the receipts. That's crazy. If you don't have all the receipts, then you don't get all of your, your money. money back. And, to, and, and sometimes, and sometimes that cash has gone missing. Right. Of course. Of course it has. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's number one. Um, and again, I think in the earlier part of the show, we really talked about how a lot of these caseworkers are one step away from where the people that they're serving are. Um, we're going to go through some of Wendy's uh, recommendations that, you know, her activism has led to uh, at the DHS. But um, before we go to that, I want to sort of contextualize some broader ideas to folks. You know, even as we talk about policy, again, whether it be specific to homeless services, whether it be specific to health care, whether it be specific to, you know, the housing, you know, rights that we just fought for and the rent laws that we just fought for in Albany, uh, whether it be specific to uh, different types of income, non-wage based income, you know, politicians and advocates can advocate for, establish as many policies as they want. They look good on the books. Um, but if there is no institutional infrastructure to enforce those laws, to properly distribute uh, services, whether they be federal or state or city services, then you know the whole program rots. And I think that first starts with accountability. It, it starts with transparency and making sure that the enforcement of accountability and transparency is as aggressive on the administers of services as it would be on the people receiving services. So remember, in the first 30 minutes, we were talking about compliance specific to people who live in these buildings. And um, I think, so I've I've done some reading on this and I'm realizing, just like a lot of other departments, there isn't a lot of compliance enforcement or protocols on the people who distribute services to folks in these buildings. So I'm talking about the governments, those institutions versus the individuals. Remember, um, you know, what we primarily talk about, you know, on this show is really specific to the difference between individuals and institutions and who gets what. How are people included in what institutions have or rather how are individuals included in what institutions have? So 
Wendy, you've got about 11, if I'm not wrong. Considerations. Considerations that I guess this is sort of, uh, if I'm reading this right, this is the next wave of where you want DHS to go. If they institute this. Right, if, right. So this is where you want them to go. So this is sort of what, what the, this is the activism right now. This yes. is where we want them to go. Um, if if they do this. No, I hear you on the if. So <laughs> let's just, let's contextualize each of these. I want I think we have enough time to sort of break down into each one of these, but um, but let's start with um, with the first one. I guess I'll just I'll let you go. Yeah. DHS shelters are not banking institutions with FDIC insurance to return lost or stolen residents' funds. Right, which is what we were just talking about. So I mean, I think for anyone listening, it's pretty obvious how. You know, storing those funds on behalf of folks could, you know, easily be lost. You would easily. think they do a partnership with a bank, uh, or just there's some stop talk, doing there's this some in talk general. About that, but, but that would still be ridiculous because it's forced. I think yes, the whole thing that we should be endeavoring to protect, especially if any politicians are listening, any city hall people who administer these services, or your departments administering these services, our objective should be to protect people's autonomy. And choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the difference between this place and every other place. And you're absolutely right. You know, some lady, some guy with a safe and a bunch of banknotes or. And what, a bunch of, well. Or, yeah, what, what else did you say? I'm getting a bunch of uh, um, traveler's checks or. That's or crazy. Cash or cash. Or just straight out cash. They're just locking it away in a drawer. And, and a, if you and lose a the receipt. Box. If you lose the receipt. You're done. Yeah, you're done. All right, what's the next um, consideration? DHS shelters, um, how will you receive, deposit, and track the residents' funds? Right, they don't have a system I don't, to do that. No, not. And implement another software system will just be another cost that it'll take them forever to implement, which people won't use properly, and it'll be another waste of funds when they could spend that on making and people, better housing. people will be busy, and they'll forget to make an entry, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And so the next one is... Um, DHS shelters staffs cannot guarantee the safe transfer and reporting of residents' funds. So you give them the cash. You give them a money order. Yeah. What happens? Right. Right. So those first three, yeah, they're mainly considering, right, the, the financial distribution of this is, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's way problematic. Number four, on DHS to hold hostage residents' funds for 30 to 45 days is unreasonable. Uh, return funds within 48 hours if off-site or upon request if on-site. Well, who's off-site and who's on-site? What, if what they're doing a, a bank account, sure. then that would be off-site. Oh, okay. If it. they're doing this safe thing that they have done in the past, that would be there. When you say a safe, you're talking about someone like with an actual safe. safe. Yeah, with a combination. Wow. Yes. Wow. Um, and that's for everyone that's working. Right. Yes. That's crazy. I think um, you each get an envelope, and they put your your money in there. That's crazy. And so the next one is, do you think uh, the ISP is a deterrent for homeless single adults to enter the DHS shelter? And, yeah, it, it, may, it creates more street homeless folks. I mean, th- right, this, so this is what you're saying in number five. Between the curfews and now this, people are going to think, not once, not twice, not thrice. They're just going to say, I, I don't want to deal with it. So now you say this is for single adults. That are working. Is the system, 
much different. Like I think we have some mutual acquaintances who have been in the system, who you know been married or have children. They get what more, more space, more it. freedom, more. Or is it? They I'm assuming have, it's just as bad. They have a curfew, but from what I understand, um, the families, the the adult families, the families with children, they can kind of come and go after the curfew hour. Right. But singles are on lockdown. So they have a curfew in the evening, which is 10 p.m., mm-hmm. and then um, it varies on different shelters when you can leave. Well, so you there's can work a work after 10 anyway. There's a morning curfew, meaning mm-hmm. some places are five, six, seven. You can't leave the building until then. So you're on lockdown from 10 p.m. till the morning curfew, and then they kick you out of the dorm, say around 9 a.m. Who's enforcing that when you can't leave? Security. Their security saying you can't leave. Security will tell you 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 have to get out at 9 a.m. And if you don't, they'll call NYPD on you and have you arrested. I mean, but what's the what's the reason for them arresting you? Well, because you didn't do what they said to do. So it's sort of like your property. It's sort of like your. It's like an inmate. It's I mean, I'm worse. getting more context It's worse now. than an inmate because you do have some kind of rights as an inmate. This is just, they just tell you things and you're supposed to do it. This is crazy. Um, all right, so, well, here, well, let's. Uh, okay, so the, number, <laughs> number five. No, we did five. Oh, What's number six. six. Yeah. The ISP does not account for the residents' meals twice daily at least. Yeah. A metro card, cell phone, medications, toiletries, and basic clothing. Now you're saying well they don't account for those when they They take their thirty percent off the top of your gross Gross. income. Right. When do you think it should be net after you it should be net minus your expenses. expenses, Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, number seven, the ISP does not account for residents' student loans credit card debt, and if not paid on time, lower the resident's credit score for those that are not eligible for city FAHEPs. So if you don't qualify for the rent voucher, yeah, your landlord is going to look at your credit score, and if your credit score is very low, they're going to disqualify you on the application. So con- uh, contextualize for us, for the listener, uh, what city FAHEPs, like city F-H-E-P-S, it's a rent voucher that helps low-income shelter residents right. exit shelter, and it helps people to not enter shelter. Right. So they so they use this voucher to go other. Now there, I do know that there's some interesting credit score legislation coming down at the city council. Yes. To reform a lot of credit scores, not only for issues like this, but for other residents who are looking to buy, you know, their apartment, but. Um, but they simply can. So they're looking at uh, microfinancing strategies to validate why people are worthy of credit, uh, you know, based on non-traditional factors, um, you know, like bills that they pay consistently and why and, and reasons for I've which they are trustworthy, mm-hmm. et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is so many of us, myself included, um, who need that sort of uh, legislation to rain down. But um, okay, so so that's a voucher to move folks into their next set of housing, and this is usually when, from a timeline standpoint, is this after those initial twenty-four months? 
No. Uh, you can qualify for the city FIPS um, voucher within 90 days of entering the okay. shelter. Right. And as prevention, you know, if you're if you're in court. Sure. And the voucher will pay your rent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. And number eight, the ISP does not account for the resident's court-ordered judgments, such as alimony, child support, that mm -hmm. must be paid, or the resident will be promptly arrested and jailed. So, so they don't either. consider yeah. that either. Right. And right. So you're picking which do I do first? Eat. Right. Pay my child support. Well, right. Buy a metro card. Right. To get to work. Right. Then you get a bad rap for not paying the child support. And it's like, well. No, then you get arrested. Well, you get arrested. Right. Yeah. Right. But for alimony and child support, you can be arrested. Right. It's a, like the the most difficult thing about all these policies is they're sort of designed in uh, shaming and guilt, uh, et cetera, and sort of dysfunction. That's really just all a result of the it lack worse. of income. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, but it's it's all a result of pervasive poverty in general. So we're just designing Absolutely. more systems to segment folks to punish to punish them, and it's making it harder for them. You know, punish it's and traumatize the grave that it seems like a lot of us are just born into. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yep. Next. Okay. So I did some calculations. Mm -hmm. The ISP does not account for the low wage earners, residents to pay their basic bills. And they may have forty dollars or left uh, left to save yeah. after everything and taxes. Mm. If they're at that sort of fifteen dollar yeah, if, mark. and I'm talking about the basic, yeah, yeah, fifteen the or basic. lower, right? Which a lot of people are still lower. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So they've got about so the, so the number that they're locking away in this you know safe, whether it's an actual safe or otherwise, or some is about forty bucks or less. Or less. No, no, no. They're going to take their 30% off the top and you figure out the rest. So you figure out how to eat. You figure out how to get the Metro card. That's you figure crazy. out how to pay your child support because you don't want to go to jail and you want your child to have some money. Right. This is crazy. Yes. Yeah. And then number 10, the ISP does not um, resolve the resident's homelessness. The solution is independent permanent housing and an adequate rent voucher or affordable housing immediately. The The city perhaps voucher is for a studio, one bedroom will pay $1,242. That's not rent in in the five boroughs even. Right. No, yeah, nowhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, number 11. The DHS ISP, the DHS administrative transfer, DHS sanctions, and the free adult DHS curfews are being used as government-enforced inhumane policies to hold the single adult residents' funds against their will. Residents' behavior modification and penalize the residents for their homelessness. I, I call them a prison without bars. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of this goes back to sort of it's a it's a systemic problem of a, a lack of income in general, and it seems as though the conservatism of the city, and I get all their rebuttals. Their rebuttals would be things like, well, if we didn't have these rules in place, some of these people, you know, uh, they, you know, bring behavior into 
shelters, et cetera, that are unmanageable. At least that's what these nonprofits are. Like, I've, I've heard them say these sort of things previously. But uh, I think this really goes back into, to use your language, it's sort of a designed-in prison system without bars that's really a result of a lack of income pervasively that's pitting sort of one jailer against the jailee uh, just so that people have to manage themselves. I think uh, I've heard you say earlier, you mentioned, you know, people are basically housing themselves. Single adults are basically housing themselves. You do keep di- differentiating the single adults from the from the family. So families have more support in general. Not that we have enough time to tumble down that whole rabbit hole. But I wouldn't say h- that. How do you there's, there's a different yeah. punishment for each population. Mm. And so they tailor it for the population. That language is interesting. Yeah. A different punishment for each population. And, and, a, and a different torture for each of them. Mm. So if you had families with children, they would in here right now they would tell you certain things that they do to them mm. but with the single adult they isolate you and they do what they will and there aren't any policies that are really being followed a hundred percent and so they get away with a lot behind closed doors yeah no um so with that said i mean we only have uh a few minutes left until we, until we, um, until we sign off. I do hope that you'll come back because, uh, you know, per this interview, I'm thinking about having a broader round table, um, just up here uptown in general. Uh, after we do our basic income march, which if people aren't familiar, uh, go to basicincomemarch.com. Uh, we started it here in New York. It'll be October 26th, and we'll march from Hostos Community College in the South Bronx over the 145th Street Bridge, up 145th Street to Convent Avenue Baptist Church, where we'll end the march with a bunch of speeches from Universal Basic Income advocates, myself included. Uh, If you're not familiar with Universal Basic Income, it's an idea for a guaranteed non-conditional income. We're starting here in this city at $1,000 a month. That's not an end, but a start. Uh, we think that a universal basic income is a potentially scalable income based on corporate product productivity owed back to people who have participated in or been an in input to corporate productivity. And so we'll be doing that on October 26th. But uh, is there anything else coming up from the Safety Net Activist stuff? You know, do we, we need to go burn we're, something we're always, down? No. I'm down. Just <laughs> let me know. We're always doing... Um, progressive work yeah but i would like to say that um the issues with dhs are not insurmountable and they could spend their money Mm -hmm. much better than what they do and they could probably spend considerably less yeah like we didn't even get to get into that i'd like to have more people around this particular table to talk about the vendor relationship management and how we, I'd love to do a really deep dive into budgets, and that's what I, I'd like to do at the broader roundtable. So I'd like to do a more public event, but then also bring that public event in here on the studio, uh, into the studio, excuse me, to talk about specifically how we distribute those budgets to get the biggest bang for our buck. Because I think there is another side conversation going on in housing in general with regards to how we should be just building more housing in general. Absolutely. Um, so one caters into the, to the other. 
And the onus should be on housing, yeah. not billing. Not billing. For homeless residents. That's a good one. On that note, um, Wendy O'Shields, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank I you. look forward to, to having you back uh, in the in the very near future um, as we talk about um, solutions to exclusion. Thank you, thank James. You. Yeah. The reason I have become this praise They love my darkness I've made them heartless And in return they have become my martyrs I've been in the poem of many a poet And I reside in the art of many a artist Some of your smartest have tried to articulate my whole partness But they're fruitless in their harvest The drove grows from my footsteps I'm the one that they follow I am the one that they march with through the back alleys and the black markets The oval offices, the crack houses and apartments Through the mazes of the queens The pages of the sages and the chambers of the kings Through the veins of the fiends A paper chases pages, yo, I'm famous on the scene One of the oldest, most ancientest things Speak every single language on the planet, you know I mean? I am the American dream, the rape of Africa, the undying machine, the overpriced medicine, the murderous regime, the tough guy's front, and the one behind the scene. I am the blood of this city, it's gas, water, and electricity, I'm its gym, and it's math, and it's history, the gunshots in the class, and you can't pass if you miss me, G. I taught them better than that I taught them aim for the head And hope they never come back I'm glad your daddy's gone, baby Hope he never comes back I am hope he's with your mother With my hustlers high in my trash I hope you die in this trash I can't help it All I hear when you crying is laughs I'm sure somebody find you tied in this bag Behind the hospital Little baby crack addicts had Then maybe you can grow up and be a stripper A welfare receiving prostitute and gold digger You can watch on TV How they should properly depict you The rivers should flow with liquors Pinch your thirst on my elixirs I am the safe haven for the rebel runaway And the resistor The trusted misleader The number one defender And from a throne of their bones I rule These fools are my fuel So I make them cool Baptize them in the water Out of Scarface pool and feed them from the You're listening to the WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem.